0: From the HBA podcast studio in New York City, welcome to The Medium Rules. I'm Alan Baldishan. Mary Barrett famously talked about the three zeros, zero crashes, zero congestion, and zero emissions. What is the dream of full autonomy? I mean, there are tens of thousands of fatalities on
1: highways today. By 2030, we're going to have 70 million people over the age of 65. As you know, Uh, Geriatric uh, senior citizens do not make the best drivers and autonomous cars gives them an immense amount of liberty. What is holding back electric? Clearly government has a role to play. This administration we had a former Secretary of
0: State from the largest oil company in the world. (laughs) He didn't didn't... last long. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't like the salad. Yeah, (laughs) You are a, uh, a big fan of investing in deep technology centers around the world including ...in Israel, which you have said is a land flowing with milk, honey, and AI, and autonomous. They actually have robots that can detect smell up there. Um, Actually, an Israeli-Arab developed technology. Joining me today in the HBA Podcast Studio is Oliver Mitchell, the founding partner of Autonomy Ventures, a venture capital firm focused on autonomous and robotic technologies. In addition, under his nom de guerre, the robot rabbi... Oliver is a syndicated writer on all things autonomous and robotics as well as a host of local robotics focused tech events in New York City. Oliver is also the chair of the UJA New York Federation Tech Committee of which I happen to be a member. Oliver is in studio today to give us the lay of the land with respect to self-driving cars and the future of the self-driving vehicle industry. In short we're going to attempt to answer the $64,000 question when will we have autonomy. As I think we'll learn This is a more complex question than people may realize. So with that, let's get started. Oliver, welcome to The Medium Rules. Thanks very much for coming in and look forward to the conversation.
1: Thanks so much, Alan. Uh, I did not know today I'm going to be a soothsayer and look into my crystal ball to figure out when autonomous cars are going to hit the street, but maybe I could put together some data points and together
0: we could see what that would be. Perfect. Sounds great. Um, So, you know, let's... Uh, this is a concept that, that I find kind of really compelling. Um, and Mary Barrow, the, the the CEO of General Motors, and I guess the only female CEO of a Fortune 100 company, and certainly of an OEM, famously talked about the three zeros uh, with respect to autonomous and electric. Uh, zero crashes, zero congestion, and zero emissions. Obviously, the emissions engage is not just autonomous, but electric, which we can touch on. Um, but... Putting aside emissions for the moment, um, what is the dream of full autonomy? Um, I think she
1: captures it very well. Um, clearly, autonomous cars is, is a big additive uh, benefit to safety. I mean, there are tens of thousands of fatalities on highways today, many of those caused by uh, truck drivers who sleep apnea and uh, just overworking conditions where they'll fall asleep on the wheel and they, they jackknife on the highway, which causes a huge backup both from a congestion standpoint but from a fatality standpoint. Or people uh, you know distracted driving is a big problem. In fact today we have more safety benefits and more safety software inside the uh, automobile like the mobile eye sensor system, uh, ABS brakes. but we have more crashes today because of the the phone. And so it's really important when thinking about uh, autonomous cars is the really huge consumer and societal benefit of, from a safety standpoint. Number two, emissions is huge. You know, when you think about a car, it is the second most valuable asset that most American families have, but it, it is at one-fifth capacity most of the time. Ninety percent of the time, it's parked on the street. Right. And so it's not being utilized. It's running under capacity and it's very expensive. So autonomous cars can actually alleviate most people from that burden, because it could drive someone to work, and then it could go pick somebody else up. And rather than owning a huge asset, they would only own time shares and when they're going to use it. So I think that's a huge uh, aspect to autonomy as well. Zero congestion. I mean, we live in New York City. We have uh, the biggest congestion, I think, in our lives in this city. We have an older city. They're talking about congestion pricing for the second time right. within the, uh, the past decade. It looks like this time it's going to pass. And a, a huge aspect to that is, is the growth of Uber. They just put in legislation to curb that growth uh, of Ride Hill, uh, taxis, uh, of people bringing in personal cars into Manhattan, of trucks. And so the idea of autonomy is you might not have to live in an urban center. You can live further away. You can take a nap on the way home. And work on the way into the office, and so it could be be huge benefit uh, when you think about that in in alleviating congestion.
0: Um, let me let me jump in there on congestion. Um, I think that's that that's one. I think the the zero crashes, and we'll get into a little bit, you know, some of the recent fatalities that have made the news, and 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 I think there's you know a lot of uh, misunderstanding and maybe misapprehension with respect to the safety crashes, fatalities issue, but just on congestion. Again, I think that's something that most people wouldn't intuitively realize in the sense that you might think autonomous leads to more cars on the road. How can that reduce congestion? What is, go- what is that story on congestion with autonomous? Why do we think there'll be less traffic tie-ups? I mean, aside from, well, I guess it's accidents, but what else is going on there?
1: You know, I think we have to take a step back. Uh, We're contemporaries. We grew up in a time period when owning a car was a moment of independence in our lives. When we got that license, we were finally independent uh, from our parents. We could go where we want. We could say where we're going, you know, what we want. Especially if you lived in the suburbs. Especially. And the idea of the cars in the 1970s, the muscle cars, of getting a Mustang, you know, working on cars, collecting cars, that was a huge thing in in our lives. But my kids are in no hurry to get a license. And I think going out twenty years from now, that's gonna be even more so. You know, every kid has independence, as long as they got a mobile phone, they can get a ride hail. They can get an Uber, they can get a Juno, they can get a yellow cab on a ride hail. And so they they don't need to be uh wedded to the to the car. Um And so I think, you know, when thinking uh, about congestion, there has to be some generational concerns. The idea of Zipcar, the idea of ride hails, the idea of ride sharing, and the idea of autonomous cars go hand in hand. Adam Jonas, a Morgan Stanley uh, analyst, put it really well. That if you took ride sharing and you took autonomous cars, they really meet. They're not two parallel lines. They're two perpendicular lines, and they're going down the same path. Because really, what will happen with autonomous cars, and according to Adam Jonas, and I and I subscribe to it, is that people will own cars in a very different way. I just leased, uh, you know, uh, my new Mini Cooper, and and it's just for me, but and and it's sitting in a garage in 59th and 11 most of the time, and so. Why, why should that be? Why should we be paying monthly on that? Maybe I should only be paying when I'm going to use it. And so the car companies are actually, you know, Mary's words ring really true. The car companies are thinking about what does fractional ownership look like? From an insurance standpoint, a liability standpoint, what does it look like? And so what, what could it mean that, that, you know, people with disabilities could have the independence that you and I had at 17? And or the, when you think about the baby boomers, you know, in this po- in this uh, population of the United States and globally, in this in the U.S. by 2030, we're going to have 70 million people over the age of 65. As you know, uh, geriatric uh, senior citizens do not make the best drivers, and autonomous cars gives them an immense amount of liberty yeah. and independence and dignity. So you have to put it in the whole societal conf- uh, confines, but that doesn't answer your question of congestion. I think uh, there'll be less cars. Uh, Uh, on the road. But it requires us a different mindset in thinking about cars, not just from the ownership, but thinking about where do cars go and where do people go and where do bicycles go. And this is a much bigger uh, question that civil planners today are grappling with for the first time ever.
0: You know, I think um, with staying on congestion for a second, I mean, even if you just think of zero crashes, less rubbernecking, zero lanes being blocked off, Cars being able to have follow distance much closer one to the other. Right there, you know, you can see the difference. Before we leave Mary's three zeros uh, uh, with respect to emissions, let's just touch on electric um, in terms of emissions. And, and, and it will, 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 it's not directly self-driving, but as you said, it's part of that broader ecosystem. Um, what, is cur- what is holding back? Electric is it is it is it battery technology is that the principal driver here as to why we're not seeing electric cars all over the road today and 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 I, I'm interested to hear your answer and then I think we'll go through where we are on autonomous and and that ties in as well.
1: I don't know if there's one single answer. Clearly, government has a role to play. Yeah. Clearly the lobbyists for oil companies you know have a huge say in washington uh potentially in this administration we had a former secretary of state from the largest oil company in the world um and so he didn't last long (laughs) right uh and he didn't like the salad yeah he
0: didn't like the didn't like the dining room situation but
1: um i think that um you know with electric uh there's a number of things i think every car company has a goal of switching over to electric zero emissions is not novel to gm uh ford is is out there with the bolt mercedes announced that they're going to have a competing car to to the tesla on the luxury side and so every single car company uh has an electric mission and i i believe by 2021 that they they want to start you know converting rolling over. them out yeah. and and so um when thinking about lithium technology th- th- there are a lot of shortcomings um I mean, lithium ion batteries uh, are somewhat uh, unstable uh, liquid, uh, you know, electrodes. Uh, if you poke it, it will explode. Uh, there are people uh, like iconic uh, ionic, excuse me, ionic materials in, in Cambridge that has worked on the solid state lithium that, that you could actually poke a whole pen through or you could throw it and it will not explode. Um, you saw with the, many of the Tesla crashes, they were exacerbated by the reaction to lithium, uh, um, liquid lithium ion explosions, uh, where the entire front end was blown up. Yeah. And so, you know, when you think about a Tesla today, um, we're in New York city, we don't have any supercharging stations, but I know that, you know, if even with a supercharging station, uh, you have anxiety, uh, about running low on charging and, uh, and to charge it at a supercharging station still takes forty minutes, and that's where the best charging. And when you to fill up your tank with gas takes maybe five ten yeah. minutes. And so, you know, dear, clearly from a consumer standpoint, uh, that requires a, a different mindset. I think that autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles go hand in hand. Autonomous vehicles use an immense amount of processing power. Today. The Google uh, minivan, the, the Chrysler Pacific, is, is a little bit of a hybrid but more uh, still use burning a lot of fossil fuels to run that uh, huge processing power, that deep learning system. You know, when you run deep learning systems, it's burning a lot of energy. And, you, and so in order to do that, it needs fuel. Um, and it's really inefficient from a fossil fuel standpoint how much it burns So in order uh, to make it fuel efficient, you have to switch to electric. And we're not really there yet on the autonomous car side on getting, um, you know, the deep learning systems to be energy efficient um, and also cost efficient. A huge thing is that, uh, you know, um, you mentioned uh, uh, Lunawave, which is a radar system. One of the reasons I
0: hadn't, but we will come to that. You uh, mentioned but, to me. A, you, a, you mentioned to me, me pre, pre-pro, yeah. Right. And, and just to jump in, that is an Arizona-based tech transfer company out of the University of Arizona that just got announced this morning a five million dollar seed round.
1: And one of the things that it it is um, one of the things of its value proposition is it's a very cost-effective radar system, and it's and it professes to be even better than existing systems out in the marketplace like lidar and other radar systems and so um you know cost effectiveness is really important that's why i bring it up and sorry to jump the gun there no
0: not at all it's it's not about sorry go ahead so what i was going to say is
1: on the google car which is being tested in phoenix arizona that the components inside just to to do the deep learning cost an upwards of three hundred thousand dollars so unless you're uber rich you know you're not gonna be able to afford that even on a fractional standpoint, yeah. And so, the idea of the car companies is, right now—they're testing out these systems from a you know, quality control standpoint, but they're also looking at how could, they can bring this down from a cost-effective standpoint. So it could, you know, mean margin and mean value to the consumer.
0: Speaking so 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 so, let's set segue from there into uh, a little bit of education. Um, In 2014, the Society of uh, Automotive Engineers defined five self-driving levels, uh, with zero being no self-driving features and five being completely autonomous, meaning no steering wheel, no gas, no brake pedal, no horn. Um, Maybe they'll leave the horn in. (laughs) But can you walk us through those five levels and maybe put us on the map as to where each level sits in terms of what people can relate to? And what we're reading about and hearing about.
1: Well, as a Manhattanite, I hope the horn is the first thing they take out. Right. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> There'd um, be no more movies about Manhattan. You wouldn't...
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, when you think about level one to level five, you know, we were talking about you know the 1970s muscle cars. That's like a level one. You're right with a carburetor. You know, burning lots of oil and gas. Uh, when you think about cars that you go, that you buy off the lot today with uh, some ABS technology those are level two uh when you think about a tesla running on an autopilot or an audi which is coming out running on the nvidia autopilot system you know that's a level three where uh you know it will drive uh hands-free um and pedal free with a, with a human driver behind the wheel with their hands close by where they would have to uh,
0: take control of it so-called safety driver
1: Well, safety driver, yes and no, because because in the safety driver scenario, those are ones where they're being tested out. They're called a safety driver. Uh, The the Google car and the Uber car is more supposed to be a forward thinking, you know, level five. Okay, this would be actually the owner of the car. I understand. You're you're commuting from Scarsdale and potentially, you know, um, you know on the Sawmill Expressway, uh, there's a lane uh, dedicated just for You know, hands-free driving, and then you would you would activate the AI, and you could take your hands off the wheel. You would go, you know, bumper to bumper safely, and everyone would be safe there. I can look up my
0: phone. I can right. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm off the clock.
1: It would require you still to pay attention, but it would be in a in a zone, and it's really important. Let me just take a step back, Alan. When we when we see all, there's about 15 public tests on the road of autonomous cars. Of different levels, and we'll go back to the level one to level five. And there's a lot of excitement out there, and Google is actually running tests without any safety driver, and we could talk about that more in a second. But these are in geo fenced in areas. These are in these are in areas that uh, where they have shielded, you know, traffic and pedestrians in such a way, and where the car has already mapped out, every, you know, everything that's going on there. And of course, there'll be instances where There'll be unknowns, but it's as close as possible uh, to a perfect scenario. They're in, you know, in places where the climate is sunny most of the time. You know, There's not a lot of weather to contend with, and they're geofenced in. And that's really important when you think about autonomous cars. And even coming to New York, when you think about ride sharing, I think there'll be a lot more autonomous buses in geofenced in areas within New York City, You know, the, uh, going up and down 6th Avenue. Then there will be consumer cars, um, and so thinking about that from a level one to level five, you know, it's a simplification, but there'll be offshoots of that. Uh, where, if you think about it, you know, New York City and many uh, cities across the world have been running autonomous trains to airports, you know, for decades, right? Uh, and those are, you know, geo fenced in; they're on a, their own track; they don't contend with you know, uh, Metro North trains or human trains or, or traffic and stuff. And so, you know, taking that to the automobile uh, and, you know, to municipal shuttling surfaces and 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 also trucking, you know, that could, uh, that seems really foreseeable if you can create that geo-fenced in area. So so today we have a number of competing technologies at what's called the level, you know, two plus, I'll just call it that today, to level four. So let's call it level three. It's a very dangerous scenario um, in the sense that when I'm driving, I'm focused on the road. And even if, something, if a driver swerves, I can react very quickly to avoid that. Now, if I take my hand off the wheel, and in the case of the most famous crash, which happened a couple of years ago, where uh, the Tesla crash in Florida, which was a fatal crash, uh, where the guy was watching a movie um, and uh, a bus, uh, excuse me. Uh, I apologize, uh, a truck, a white truck was making a left-hand turn as the sun was shining down. And to the AI, to the to the computer vision, it saw it as just horizon because it was a white truck. And before it was the sun. With glare. Yeah. And, and with glare. Yeah. And so it the, the vision did not see anything wrong with that. And he was going 70 miles per hour. And when the guy tried to take control of the wheel, it was just too late. And and in fact, Gil Pratt uh, a couple of years ago at CES said that's the most dangerous scenario is that level two, level three driving that autopilot scenario, where people are taking uh, their hands off the wheel, and for them to reengage could mean you know two seconds of life to death. And so when thinking about you know the transition to full autonomy right. without a steering wheel, without pedals, which is much further out, you know on that continuum we have to think about maybe there are scenarios where that could be done safely. The idea of lanes, you know, when you go on the LIE, there's HOV lanes. So potentially you could have hands-free lanes and those could be fuel efficient lanes and those could be carpool lanes and they could be all the good stuff that you want to encourage the population to do, including autonomy. And when thinking about Shuttling services—you take Via, which is a ride-sharing service here in New York and and in Chicago, Countrywide yeah. a- and so potentially that could be autonomous. You know, going you know down avenues specific and routes, meaning yes.
0: So 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 and and so let's let's let me jump in there and 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 say this really gets into what I think a lot of people don't understand, which is yes, I understand there's a And I I use the example of a a friend of mine, maybe six, seven years ago, uh, calls me from a Google self-driving car, telling me, I'm calling you, I'm not, nobody's touching the wheel. This is insane. We're on Highway 101. And that was a while ago. So, you know, yes, there is the technology, but how are we, what's the phase in look like? And I think you really started to answer that question, which is, it's different it's not all at once. It's sort of an incremental, you know, and Benedict Devins wrote, wrote a, I think, a pretty very compelling uh, blog post about phasing in where, you know, a vehicle might be L5 in one situation and L2 in another. Um, but maybe talk about, about that phase in because that gets to when will we have autonomy to some extent.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in this current culture uh, you know, of instant gratification, whether on the mobile device or flipping a light switch, we, ch- we tend to think of technology as flipping a light switch yeah. and we don't really see it as the long view of, um, you know, of the development and it's really accelerating very quickly you know uh, there's Moore's Law, which every, uh, which is held true for fifty plus years of you know, with processing speed and cost. 18 every, months? Every right? 18 months, yep. you know, uh, it will double. And so uh, I think that, you know, uh, and it's moved extremely quickly. Uh, If you think about the first DARPA challenge, you know, the Carnegie Mellon team went out to the desert and um, they went seven miles and they won the DARPA autonomous vehicle uh, challenge. Two years later, they went 300 miles. And and so, you know, we have many of the ingredients of the technology to successfully drive. A car autonomously you know i think back to a picture that i shared with you over breakfast that, that was in the ieee spectrum a couple years ago of you know magnavox RCN, rca engineers doing autonomous cars in 1965 on a, on a track in detroit yeah. so this has been something that's been in discussion for many decades you know maybe even since the beginning of the automobile um, and so i i think that um with that long view You know, let's talk about where we're at. You know, we have a lot of uh, technologies uh, that are available that are getting less expensive, like sensor-based technologies, like like uh, laser, you know, directional technologies, like like lidar, like like uh, radar and sonar, like computer vision technologies, and we have technology know-how. But at the same time, there's societal um, aspect to change, which moves a lot slower. That if if you look at the uh, adoption for to technology, traditionally it's been uh, for society to adopt new technology. It's been 12 years. We're at an eight-year cycle. But at the same time, the acceleration of advanced computing technology is like a hockey stick growth, right. and it's almost surpassed us. We saw that with Uber, where Uber's popularity outpaced, you know, um, regulatory, uh, you know, Adap-
0: uh, ability to adapt. Yeah, yeah and yeah.
1: so so we're seeing them play catch up. Cannot talk about autonomous cars without talking about deep learning systems. Uh, traditionally, you know, a computer has been binary; it's been programmed. When X happens, Y happens. You know, it's a. Uh, but deep learning systems, neural networks, think like our brain, and they have to input everything that uh, that it sees. And so, a computer, a computer vision technology, or a lidar or sensor vision of multiple sensors that are on now the automobile, that go to a deep learning system, it, it's now gaining knowledge in the same way that a 17-year-old driver is gaining knowledge. And so Google's car for those past six years has been driving to gain knowledge. It could not be driving around Phoenix, Arizona, you know, without a safety driver, without those earlier, you know, tests, uh, you know, in San Francisco. On, on 101, and it had a few accidents where it saw yeah. that, uh, you know, humans are not really good drivers, and it expected every human to drive well. And when a bus went into its lane and uh, and didn't slow down to go into the lane, it, it sideswiped the Google car. And so, um, you know, it's learning. And sometimes you, it might have to, you know, ramp up the aggressive of its driving. Dial. Yeah. And, and so um, I, I think, you know, these systems are learning right now. And we're going through a period where people are getting really excited. They're seeing lots of milestones in the same way, say, the space race was. But we have to remember that it's dangerous. And just as, you know, there were accidents along the way to landing a man on the moon. The, the movie first is going to be coming out when you Neil Armstrong. Yeah. And so uh, I think, you know, uh, with autonomous cars and autonomy, we're going to see a lot of hiccups and bumps along the road, pun intended there. But at the same time, we have to look at the long view that it's not like turning on a light switch.
0: You know, w- would it be fair to say, let's just talk about the U.S. for a second, for a moment, that because of driving conditions, um you know four season weather in the northeast versus beautiful weather in the southwest that that movement may go west to east and south to north in in other words what i'm grappling with is new york city is w- such a complicated dense pedestrian cut up city in many ways although obviously uptown we have how does that that's such a different environment let's say then Arizona, new city, big roads, few pedestrians. That's part of the roadmap, presumably.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's correct. I think something that's missing from that description yeah. is that in America, we have 15,900 plus municipalities that govern their local roads. And we have 50 states that give licenses. And so getting everyone on the same page and then we have the you know National Highway Safety Board uh, that sets guidelines. Um, and so uh, you know even in the least regulatory environment, which I think, in my opinion, maybe as a liberal Upper West Sider, I think it's dangerous because I think regulations help guide innovators on what to develop towards uh, and have confidence in what to release. So I think that even uh with that um you're gonna have different use cases for different types of scenarios uh clearly in we've been talking about Arizona, but I lived in Arizona. the roads are six lane roads they're extremely wide extremely well marked uh it's sunny three hundred sixty days a year um you know it's pretty easy to, it's on a grid system uh you're not talking about lower Manhattan. Right Where some streets are still cobblestone, much less yeah.
0: London, much less the Balkans, yeah. much less eastern europe and and then you don't ha and and you have weather,
1: you have visibility, you have marking of lanes, you have pedestrians, you have bicyclists, you have baby carriages, you yeah. have a lot of unknowns there, so yeah, it definitely it's a lot easier, but with that said uh you know it was announced last year that uh g m uh their cruise automation uh group is gonna be starting testing in lower Manhattan. Wow. Um, New that's York. their
0: group out of Tel Aviv, correct? That's no their... they, it was Didn't normally they out of, okay. Okay. it was normally
1: out of uh, San Francisco. Uh and then they integrated it within Detroit. They paid a billion dollars for cruise. Okay. Uh yeah. it's one of the big exits out there in that field. Um and so uh I would say that um Governor Cuomo has a number of initiatives and, uh, to throughout the state. Uh, for example, um, Center State, which is up in Syracuse, Rome, New York, uh, has an accelerator for unmanned systems called Genius New York. And, and they're not any different than, say, in Pittsburgh. The mayor there uh, was very aggressive in trying to attract Uber and share the talent, uh, at least from the mayor's and Uber's perspective, not from the Carnegie Mellon st- standpoint. Of Carnegie Mellon with Uber. Uh, Carnegie Mellon sees it that he poached 15 top professors uh, <laughs> with very high paying salaries. Um, Arizona tried to, you know, court Uber uh, executives with a freewheeling, unregulatory environment to bring, uh, you know, its uh, autonomous driving test, uh, autonomous taxis to Arizona from San Francisco which in many ways led to uh maybe negligence and them uh not having two safety drivers and just having one don't know yeah uh you know so i i think that um you know we're right now in a very uh unknown period where there's a lot of initiatives happening we're getting we're we're accomplishing a lot of data gathering and we can't just be american-centric right uh Singapore, Neutonomy, which was a Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts-based company, which was bought by Delphi, which is a Tier One, uh, did most of its testing. Uh, tier out- One OEM. Yep, yep. Uh, parts- uh, no, no. Tier One part part supplier. an OEM. T- I Apologize. OEM. Right. Yep. Uh, Delphi is one of the largest ones out there. Yep. Uh, they paid about, I think, about four hundred million dollars for for Newtonomy. Uh They are a very young startup. They did most of its t- of their testing, uh, not. Near the MIT campus, but really in Singapore, because Singapore is very aggressive in trying to be um, really the tech hub of the world for many things: for drones, for uh, for autonomous, you know, shipping, for cybersecurity, uh, for IoT. That's a whole separate discussion. That is a whole separate discussion. And which, so, which we can have- uh, uh, in Europe. You're seeing a lot of interesting things happen. Uh, even in even in England and and and, and in France, uh, so I think you know, in looking at the crystal ball, I can't really give any dates. You know, the industry has said twenty twenty one has been a magic is a magic year. That's what many executives have said. We're getting, but uh, you know, the one thing about making predictions is it, you can always push it out. Yeah, and so I imagine that will happen. Um, but I would say some of the early th- uh, use cases will be. Going back to um, you know alleviating sort of municipal bottleneck of uh, mass transit uh, which we have in, in New York. You know if we didn't have Via in New York, think about how much uh, you know you know congestion there would be underground even more so. Yeah, it would have been the summer of like Dante's Infer- uh, Inferno. <laughs> not Brutal in summer in you New know, York think City. about this City summer. Bike. How much that's alleviated, you know, mass transit. Uh, In LA, you have, you know, right now you have all these scooters out there, you know, the birds and stuff. And so you'll see that. I think, you know, a big area that we haven't spoken about is that long haul shipping. You know, driving on the highway is a much easier premise. Trucks, uh, we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, And shipping and logistics. And there's a huge amount of investment made by uh, the big shippers out there of FedEx. I was just down in Memphis in the FedEx headquarters seeing uh, what's happening at, at the warehouse That's down there. That's interesting. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fairly automated, but they have a lot of human labor. And really what the human labor is just flipping the boxes so the robots can read uh, the scans and weigh them. Um,
0: is that right? Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, one thing, this is just a side note that, that I learned, is when you fill out that FedEx package, and you write down, you know, how much it weighs. And you're always like, you know, I'm just going to say one pound. And, and it's an envelope. Uh, they actually, you know, the, the sorter actually weighs every package and scans it. And really, that's only to train you on what to expect for your billing. <laughs> it, and in fact, that robot, that, that computer system that weighs everything, which has been in effect for, it's a Swiss computer, it's been in effect for like 15 years, ties directly to their P&L. It goes right to the revenue line. Wow. And so it's going right into the bank and so it's pretty, it's pretty magical so I mean FedEx um, uber uh, uber is as you know uh, UPS uh, you know when you think about um, Amazon a huge amount uh, of their trucking trucking yeah, the distribution and, 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 and also delivery, uh, aviation sure. and, and, and I think you know when you think about how retail has shifted that we're ordering so much more in e-commerce yeah. you know a great example is, uh, you know, this is going to be for all those Manhattanites who have doormen. You know, doormen didn't have to deal
0: with too many boxes.
1: Now they're overwhelmed. stuff
0: Funny with you boxes. say that. I mean, uh, just s- sort of side note, the idea of having a non-doorman building... I mean, I hate to sound like a privileged... Uh, by the way, I'm not West Sider, too. As you know, you mentioned <laughs> Scarsdale. Wouldn't want anyone to get the wrong impression. Um, I am also a New Yorker. Proud Upper West Sider. Yes, very proud. Uh, but, but I would say the idea of... Uh, d- at this point, forget about security for your kids and your, you know, forget about, can, it's, it's receiving packages and returning packages. That's right. what you really need. And, and so
1: let's think about that. Groceries, you know, everything. An yes. autonomous vehicle standpoint, let's just expand aut- autonomous cars to autonomous vehicles. You know, when you order that package, you know, on Amazon, you click order, you click buy, that message gets sent to a computer. That computer connects to the Kiva systems that they bought in 2012 for $775 million, $75 million more than they paid for uh, Zappos. And so um, those are robots that are on the warehouse uh, that bring the shelving to the picker. Who's going to put that in a box? It used to be before then. There was an Amazon employee on roller skates that would go three football fields down to get that package. I don't know how many accidents happen on the roller skates. You know, but- I had
0: a friend in high school who did that for Canadian Tire up in Canada and their warehouses and they were pickers, literally right. hand pickers, and their warehouses were massive and they went around in trucks and by hand and yeah.
1: So Amazon had roller skates, and, you know, roller place people going. You can imagine how many collisions happen there. Yeah. So the Kiva system not only brings the shelving, To the picker but reorganizes the entire warehouse based upon bestsellers. that's pretty incredible yeah now that gets into puts into a box it gets it gets scanned it gets put on on a truck uh that truck has to go to a distribution center that truck can go autonomously to distribution center it goes on on an airplane that airplane most of the flight uh, so, so it goes on to a distribution center and uh, the distribution center scans that box. It goes on many conveyor belts, autonomously scanned, weighed, and then gets specially packed to be weighted so they don't burn too much fuel inside the plane. Uh, the planes actually uh, talk about lithium batteries. This is very cool. The planes actually have robot arms now. The new triple uh, sevens uh, in FedEx that, and they share this with the industry that if there is a fire within their boxes of a lithium. Battery that catches the fire, it can autonomously break through and put out that fire, <laughs> and they share this technology with all the other shippers out there. You auto- know, so the plane doesn't explode in the air. Pretty good, you know. Good idea, and, yeah. and most of the time, that plane is going on autopilot, right? And so, and then it lands. It goes, you know, takes off from Memphis. It goes to lands. It goes to distribution center, and it needs to be. Go back of the highway and there you can have an autonomous truck. You know, when Tesla re- released its autonomous truck, uh, you know, it, it got a huge bump in its stock. Mercedes has an autonomous truck for, uh, that's been at the truck shows for a number of years. Uber uh, bought, um, um, I have a mental block right now, Lior Ron's company um, a, for about $680 million. I'll think of the name of the that's company. That's okay. Uh, It'll come back to you. Yeah, don't worry uh, about it. And, and so they actually put a halt on their autonomous truck. They're looking to to partner with some, uh, someone on that. Yeah. Um, and it's done, actually, uh, you know, deliveries uh, for, uh, you know, it's proved it out on the highway. So that that's a real aspect. Then, you know, you've seen examples of drones delivering. I don't know how efficient that is. Maybe in rural areas, that makes a lot of sense. We've seen terrestrial robots deliver within urban areas. We've even seen Boston Dynamics have amazing uh, like bipedal humanoid robots do flips or the robot dog that can open up doors and, and they can actually deliver packages so the idea of this ecosystem of autonomous vehicles is very true when
0: it will happen yeah I, mean, I, I, I think that's a great that's a great run through in the sense that thinking about my being able to take a ride from here to my Cousin's House in Westchester or Philly, that's a tiny aspect of it. Um, I've read that reality for consumer use cases and just traffic and just getting around is like 2030, 2027, 2030. Who knows? Um, But that's what I've seen, whether that applies to New York, whether that's West Coast, I guess we'll see. But um,
1: I think we'll see incremental steps. And
0: really today, the car that
1: you drive is a computer on wheels already. Um, and so for you know eventually there'll be a button for AI when you're in uh, traffic and rather than you you know stopping and going the AI will be able to do that or hands-free driving you know the Mercedes has hands-free cars Uh, Tesla obviously does the autopilot system so you know you have to uh, give some time for these municipalities to figure it out yeah I mean one thing uh, you know that the um National Highway Safety Board regulates is the interstate highway system so it's clearly on the interstates they could they could create a national policy of lanes for hands-free driving um whether this administration or the next administration will that's to be seen on a side note you know um it's pretty amazing if you think about technology and you think about government you know uh there is no department of technology and technology is a subset of every department agency um and uh eventually you might have a cabinet post where technologies are that will have to work out all these issues and there's a lot more issues yeah. yeah
0: one area which i don't know that we're going to have a chance to touch on but but i'm going to tee it up for the next time you come back in which i hope you will to to have a conversation is smart cities second order effects what are cities going to look like um in a self-driving future um, and that in and of itself is, a, is obviously an extremely rich area to plumb. It also engages sort of the, the, the workforce displacement that is going to occur, not just with self-driving, but with robotics generally, which which I think is, is going to be a great topic for us to address. And I'm teasing it because what I want to do is uh, finish off with a perspective on investing and also give you an opportunity to plug the UJ Tech Mission to Israel 2019, because I know that you are a, uh, a big fan of investing in deep technology centers around the world, including in Israel, which you have said is a land flowing with milk, honey, and AI and autonomous. So talk about both those things. Talk about how you think about investing, and then maybe talk about... Uh, the UJ's tech mission, which is an annual uh, trip to Israel to do an amazing deep dive into technology there and what's going on in innovation, which I uh, went on last year and I would highly recommend. But let me let me let you address both. Yeah, those I, I think a couple things.
1: And, and maybe I could segue in just telling that uh, Israel does actually have a smart city, Ashdod. The port of Ashdod is a smart city. I think when walking around whatever city you, you're in, look up, look at your lampposts. You'll see a bunch of fishtail antennas. Those are sensors that are monitoring traffic right now, pedestrian traffic, automobile traffic, uh, air, air quality. There's a whole bunch of sensors that are being deployed, there's a number of companies that are working with municipalities. There's a number of RFPs out there. There's a number of partnerships uh, with the Department of Transportation on the federal level with the local municipalities, uh, as well as other federal agencies on that. Every year uh, and you were privileged to go on the last one uh, you know I lead a tech mission uh, with the United Jewish appeal as well as the Israeli economic mission here in in New York uh, it's a four day intensive trip uh, where we visit you know accelerators incubators academic labs other uh, venture capitalists investors uh, really the leaders and influencers uh of this magic, uh, landscape, you know, put it, you know, uh, clearly it has an immense amount of historic, um, connection to the Jewish people, but it, uh, today Israel, you know, outside of the Jewish community is just seen as, as another Silicon Valley. It's, it's actually called Silicon Wadi and, uh, talking about autonomous cars in three years, you know, we were meeting with Gil at GM. They said they went from about, 12 engineers to to 300 plus engineers and gm looks to israel for the latest uh ai and autonomous uh technologies. not to well. mention
0: cyber and we haven't talked about cyber auto but that's a whole other topic
1: i know we've been hanging out a lot because that was the next word that i was going to
0: say <laughs> so um there you go and so th- that's really exciting
1: um and really you know uh this this year, we're going to be doing uh, the mission again in conjunction with a cybersecurity uh, conference. And uh, we're going to be meeting with some amazing companies, as well as going up to the, the Technion, which is in Haifa for the first time. And that is where Apple's headquarters are. There's a Google uh, hub there. There's Intel's hub up there. And the Technion is like the MIT of Israel. So some of the leading companies have uh, come out of the Technion. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. They actually have robots that can detect smell up there. Um, actually an Israeli Arab development technology yeah. and so oh, okay. um, oh, fantastic and uh, it, you know I can maybe do one or two of these meetings on my own I could not do six a day uh, and it's amazing it's a
0: packed packed itinerary and it's really important it's incredibly high level
1: uh, extremely. And, and really, what we do combining with the UGA is we have a social inc- impact component as well as with the Israeli Economic Mission, we have an, a business and investor component. And we really do a really great job of creating a great and curating a great program and creating great context around it so that the, you know, for example, on the UGA side, uh, we went to the basement of the latest WeWork and we saw a 3D uh, printing lab where they're printing prosthetics at inexpensive uh, prices to enable, you know, uh, kids around the world, you know, doesn't matter what religion, what race you are around the world in India and in Africa to be able to afford a prosthetic limb. And out of that 3D lab. And that's all backed by the uh, UGA grant system. And then we left there and, uh, you know, we had dinner with Yair Shamir, one of the seed investors in Mobileye, which was sold to Intel for 15 plus billion dollars. And we had uh, the head of the Innovation Authority, which gives a number of grants out there. Um, We went to the Capsula lab last time and uh, and Tel Aviv University Ventures. Tel Aviv University uh, was voted this year as the third most active university for producing startups worldwide
0: that's incredible and so So, it's it's an amazing trip it's
1: intensive it's a lot of fun we have great people like you that go on it and uh, i hope maybe this uh you know webcast uh podcast you know brings in us other amazing people and any questions feel free to contact alan
0: i I was going to say absolutely and i was going to say on that note um in a future podcast coming up we are going to get hadar weiss here who sort of puts the is at the UJA on staff puts this together internally at UJA and goes on the trip and we're going to devote a whole podcast to talking about that's great UJA tech mission because I think it's that worthwhile and other things UJA does in and tech.
1: I and I look forward to coming back to discuss the future of work because that's something that I'm very passionate about.
0: oh that sounds great okay good well listen I think that's a great place to stop Oliver thanks so much for coming in and look forward to having you back my pleasure thank, thank you, you Alan you. That's a wrap on this episode of The Medium Rules with Alan Baldishin. For more information, go to our website at www.hballp.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.